Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. So it is in our DNA. We have discussed this for three weeks. This will be our fourth week that we are designed by God for connections. We, from day one, it has been deposited in us that we are to connect. And so uh, we need uh, connection with God, connection with one another. And so we've been talking about that. We've also been talking about the fact that uh, with all of the advancements, and I'm so thankful for all the advancements in technology that uh, technology has begun to promise us that they will help us connect. If we just get the latest gadget, if you just get the latest app, it will help you get more connected than you've ever been. But we've discussed this. What, what actually happens is this, all this technology, it just releases small doses of chemicals in our bodies. And what it does is it leaves us, if nothing, if, uh, at, at best, uh, maybe even at worst, it leaves us addicted and then it leaves us alone, right? And so we've said we need to develop this ability to get, out our, get our head out of our app long enough to connect. And so that's what we've been talking about. God certainly understood this need for connection. And what we see when you get into the New Testament and read about the life of Christ, Jesus modeled for us a connected lifestyle. We're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. Uh, I I noticed this too, that as uh, one of the very last acts of Jesus' life, because he recognized our need to connect, Jesus instituted a movement that was formulated for one sole purpose. Jesus started this thing for one sole purpose, to address our need for connection. That's why he started this institution, and I haven't used the word we use for it yet because in our Western mindset, we have perverted the concept so badly of what Jesus instituted that now we, when I use the term and I'm getting ready to use it, what we instantly think about is we think, when I say the term, four walls and a roof. What he instituted was church. But our concept of church and when we think about church is so westernized that we don't even understand what Jesus was talking about. So in the New Testament, what he established was uh, what was in the New Testament called the ecclesia which uh, is, a, is a Greek term that means the called out ones. 
Literally, that's what it means. That's a, that's a uh, direct translation. You can also get other definitions for it like this. A gathering of citizens called out from their homes into some public place and assembly. So then when you bring that into the Christian world, the sense is this. It's a people, uh, literally the people of God. That's the simplified version of what the term means. And it's the people who profess belief in the Lord Jesus Christ and who are therefore the visible representation of God on earth. Another way to say it is this. It's the church is not the building. The church is the people who populate the building. So you don't go to church. You are the church. Right? You don't pass a bunch of churches to get to the church. You are the church. Any gathering of believers is, is the church. And so Jesus instituted the church to address our need for connection. In fact, Jesus, uh, in his life, what he did is he modeled this connected lifestyle of gathered worship. You, you go read, there's this constant gathering. It didn't matter if it was out in the wilderness somewhere. It didn't matter if it was in temple courts. It didn't matter if it was in a local neighborhood in a house. You remember they tore the roof off to get into Jesus because he was having church. It was a modeled lifestyle of gathered worship. They gathered for support. They gathered for teaching. They gathered for accountability. Uh, and, and they did this to such a degree that when Jesus exits the planet and he leaves the disciples in charge of this institution, the rest of the New Testament almost seems like all it is is a detailed list of letters, letter after letter after letter, to gathered bodies of believers to help them to understand why their gatherings are so important and what those gatherings were supposed to accomplish. So what takes place is then the Hebrew writer comes along uh, and, he, and he famously makes this statement in Hebrews chapter 10. It's the one you hear when everybody preaches about church. It's Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25. It says this, Let us not uh, neglect or forsake our meeting together as some people do. You've heard, anybody that's attended church very long has heard that said about church. And typically we use that passage of Scripture, at least preachers for centuries have done this, to browbeat people into understanding that you need to attend. Right? That's why you... There it is. It's in black and white. It says it. Let us not forsake the gathering together of ourselves as some do. That, so get to church. Right? That's what preachers do. The only problem with that is... And, and, and they're right... Except the problem with it is they forget to stop and read around that passage. Because when you read around that passage, the writer, when he comes to this place where he says, you don't need to forsake gathering together, he tells us why. Not just so you can get attendance pins. Anybody remember attendance pins? Uh, the old folks remember attendance pins, right? You, you actually got pins if you didn't miss a Sunday for a year, and people have like long lines of pins, right? Um, so, yeah, so, but we miss the why. There is a definitive reason why. It's not so you can make the preacher feel better. It's not so that we can record the number and look impressive to the conference. It's not so we can be on the fastest list of growing churches in America. He doesn't list any of that stuff. Let me show you what he says. Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 23. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. 
Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Did you hear the why? The writer says the reason that we cannot forsake the gathering together of ourselves is because when we gather together, us, provide some things. He says that 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 when we it, it's all contingent upon the us. Right? He says let us. He says let us when there's an us it enables us to empower one another and equip one another and enable each other to hold tightly to hope. My ability to remain hopeful is tied to you. Then he says this, not only that when we gather together and there's an us, we encourage one another and we provoke one another to do acts of love. In other words, if I don't have you in my life and you don't have me in your life, we cocoon and we, we silo and we forget about the fact that there are needs outside of our four walls of our home and we only become concerned about us. But when we gather together in settings like this, we spur one another on. I provoke you. You provoke me that i got to wake up and realize the whole world doesn't revolve around me and there are other people in need. That only happens when we gather together. He says that together we encourage one another. Listen, if we didn't have one another, we would walk through life discouraged. But when we gather together and I see your smiling face and you give me a high five, you say, good to see you this morning. Or when I look at you, or, and all this is going on, this us provides courage to live life. So he says, you cannot have an us without gathering. And therefore, if you don't gather like he says to gather, you miss these things. Uh, I didn't think I'd get much help. but So, so uh, as much, listen, as much as I appreciate the technology that allows us to reach out to people that are physically unable to attend or maybe logistically unable to, to attend, I'm so thankful for the technology that we have. Oh, each weekend, uh, several hundred people log in and watch and participate even though they can't get here. My, man, we've invested in that. We will continue to invest in that but I want you to understand this morning that I worry that we've bought the lie that viewing through a screen is an acceptable suitable and convenient excuse that's what we've allowed it to become I'm, we will do that every week but we cannot buy the lie that that is a substitute that it accomplishes the same thing well I get to go to church in my pajamas I get it, but, but you miss out on the key components of the things that can only be accomplished when there's an us. And so we miss out on rubbing shoulders. So, so it's become like this. Watch this video. Tired of having to wake up, get dressed, and drive across town just to attend your favorite service? Introducing Virtual Reality Church. Start by choosing a church building that meets your needs. Tired of the stress of having to choose a Sunday morning outfit? Never make a fashion mistake again because Virtual Reality Church will style you based on your denomination. Not a people person? Select the introvert experience to completely eliminate the welcome team, meet and greet time, connect cards, and that awkward hold hands with the person next to you thing we still do. Next, personalize your morning by choosing the worship experience that you want. 
feeling a touch of white guilt? Add a minority worship leader. Custom options even let you tailor the skinniness of your worship leader's jeans. Finally, no more having to endure songs that you don't like. With Virtual Reality Church, you're in charge. For the sermon, choose the amount of conviction you'd like and we'll select a pastor for you. We'll even let you tailor your sermon topics so you'll never have to attend a Vision Sunday or a sermon series on giving. And never worry again about dozing off during the sermon. With Virtual Reality Church, you can sleep as long as you want. Kids being bad in nursery? Who cares? Worried about missing a football game? Enter your favorite team and we'll provide notifications when the game is starting. Never miss a kickoff again. Want to go forth for prayer? Well, if you selected a Pentecostal service, always stand in front of the mattress. Even connect your social media accounts and we'll post for you. Get credit for being super spiritual all from the comfort of your couch. Finally, an option for people asking the question, how can I make Sunday morning even more about me? Virtual Reality Church, the future of church attendance. Okay, so it's overstated, but maybe not by much. We've made it all about us. How convenient is it for us? Can, can I do what I want to do? And, and the reality of this video is this. When we buy that lie, we miss completely the point of gathering together. So we bought this ideology that, uh, ideology, I can't say it, that the idea, there you go. We bought the idea that, that gathering is no longer important. So I just recently read an article that, that troubles me. I, I'm not convinced that I'll change it this morning in my message um, because we're stubborn and we're Americans and nobody can tell us what to do. So, uh, but I read this article just recently that the average American Christian has come to believe that attending service one time a month is now considered faithful attendance. And so what we've done is we have, by, by coming to that conclusion, then what we are also saying is that the writer of Hebrews didn't know what he was talking about and that we don't need to be encouraged and we don't need to be provoked to do good works and we really don't need one another. But I'm here today to tell you that that is wrong. That, that maybe what's taking place is that we have forgotten or maybe perhaps we are underestimating our need for con the connection with the kingdom. We need one another. The writer of Ephesians weighs in on the subject kind of in a different way but gives us some necessary insight into our need for one another. In Ephesians chapter 4 verse 16, he makes this statement. I'm going to read it in about three different versions. He says, uh, in chapter 4, verse 16. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. That's not a numerical statement. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Another version, under the control of Christ, each part of the body does its work. It supports the other parts. In that way, the body is joined and held together. Joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. I want you to notice a couple things just real quickly. I want you to notice that it says that we were fit together. I mean, I, I took some plaque on Facebook about four or five years ago because I preached that God uh, assigns people to places of worship. And they said, oh, that's not scriptural. He fits us together. 
In other words, for whatever reason, God has orchestrated it for you to be a part of this body. He assigned you. He fits you in. He joined you to this body to, 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 to be a part of this body so that we help one another grow. It was planned. And then he says that as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing. Each part supports. Each part supplies. In other words, although in our model we tend to believe that only the pastor does this, the truth is that it requires all of us doing our part for us to grow. Again, not talking numbers, talking health. So, so we feed one another. See, th- th- we, got it, we got this so jacked up in America. We think that, that we come to church and we sit in these pews and these chairs um, and, and we go, feed me, feed me. I want the worship team to feed me. I want the pastor to feed me. But we, we all have the responsibility to feed one another so that when you pull up into the parking lot, you're feeding one another. As you're interacting in the lobby, I know you're talking about the game, but you're feeding one another. As you walk into the sanctuary and we worship together, we are feeding one another. Our interactions as we leave, we are feeding one another. That is what we are called to do. So then if that's true, if we're feeding each other strength and if we're feeding each other motivation and we're feeding each other encouragement, then may I ask you to please protect your feed. Protect your feed. So what do you, what do you say? And how do we do that? So just three, three quick things I want to mention to you and, and then some practical stuff that I want your help with. I want us to protect our feet. Number one, we must, if we're going to protect our feet, we must elevate the importance of our gathering. According to the scripture, the, this gathering that we do, in, this, in our model, we do it once a week. Our young people get the building on Wednesday night, so we don't meet on Wednesday night. So we, we meet together one time a week together in an environment like this. According to what Scripture is teaching us, there, then, then I, may, I must make this assumption that this gathering, this once-a-week gathering, as God orchestrates who's here and plugs us in and, and, and joins us together, it's a matter of life and death. It is, a, it is, it is not optional. It's not take it or leave it. It's not I'll show up if I don't have anything more fun to do. Okay. We have to fight for our food. you got to get food. In the Old Testament, the, the, the Israelites, they got manna. When they were wandering in the wilderness, they got manna for that day. Uh, now we're convinced that we just need manna once a month. I don't understand that. When, when we, we live on the bread, day, daily bread, God, give us our daily bread. We need daily bread. So we don't even have it right just thinking we can pull it off once a week. But, but at least once a week, we need food. 
We must fight for our food. So what does that mean? We can't let anything. That means we can't let schedule. That means we can't let distractions. That means we can't let petty differences. That means we can't make, let offenses. That means we can't let any kind of excuses or anything else get in the way of our feed. We've got to make our way into an environment like this so that we gather and we, we provide an us that causes us to grow. We cannot approach our gatherings nonchalantly as if it's, it's, just this, it's just an hour out of my week. No, this is life or death. In other words, what I'm trying to get you to do is to, re, to reevaluate how important our time together is. I don't want you to just show up out here and pull in and go, well, I'm going to pull another hour and then I'm out of here, baby. I got the rest of my week to myself. No, I want you to pull up on purpose. To prepare. To, to literally get up and prepare that when I get to this gathering, I'm going to be able to secure the food I need. And I'm going to help somebody else get fed as well. So we milk this thing for all it's worth. One man said it like this. He said, developing spiritual fruit requires being around people. Or ordinary, ornery people. The way he says it. Then I want you to hear what he says. Listen to this. This is a powerful statement. He says, to save souls, you must bring them together. Now, I'm not, I'm not even sure he's talking about saved as we think about saved. I'm thinking maybe he's talking about as we gather, we save our, our souls from depression and, and, and loneliness and, and, and we... That happens when we're together. George Barnum made a statement. Please listen. If you don't hear anything else I say today, please listen to what he said. This is powerful. He said, in the church today, there is a Christian mentality. We pick and choose here and there to fill one's ecclesiastical shopping list. There are hitchhikers who attend one church for the preaching, send their children to a second church for its dynamic youth program, and go to a third church's small group. Church hitchhikers have a telling vocabulary. I go to or I attend, but never I belong to or I'm a member. The average adult thinks that belonging to a church is good for other people, but represents unnecessary bondage and baggage for himself. So today we have a phenomenon unthinkable in any other century. Churchless Christians. There is a vast herd of professed Christians who exist as nomadic hitchhikers without, without accountability, without discipline, without discipleship, living apart from the regular benefits of the ordinances. I think he's right. I think we're all trying to do this on our own. So we underestimate and undervalue the time that we gather this week. We should be waiting on pins and needles. I long for the day when I see your Facebook feed long about Tuesday or Wednesday go, I can't wait for Sunday because I need my body. I need to be fed. I need to be uh, provoked. I need to be spurred on to, to good works. I need my, I, I, man, I wished it was Sunday. I not I wished it was Saturday. Not I wished it was Friday night. No, I wished it was Sunday because I value what we get when we gather. The second thing I think is if we're going to protect our feed, then we must find our fit and our place. Simply put, our ability to grow according to what the Ephesians writer says is that our ability to grow and be healthy is directly connected to each part of the body being in place and fulfilling its role. 
In other words, if each part isn't in place and doing its part, then we cannot grow. This is incredibly important. I want you to hear me this morning. Without you, I don't grow. Without me, you don't grow. This is not all on me. This is a joint activity. And in order for us to produce health in our spiritual conditions and health in our spiritual lives, we must all find our fit and find our place. Because as we do, we enable health to flow between one another. So, out of place we don't grow. Missing, we don't grow. That's why it bothers me when I, man, I didn't, this is not my notes. It bothers me when I I ask people, did you notice that so-and-so's been gone? And they go, no. Like they've been gone for three weeks. No, didn't notice. Well, what in the world, man? That means that part has been missing. Would you notice if your nose was gone? Would you notice if like your your big toe was gone? Yeah. So why don't we notice when one another's missing? Because if they're missing, we're missing, we're missing, we're missing, we're missing, we're missing what they bring. We're missing, we're missing. So we must be conscious of the fact that we are not, we're not growing if we're missing. We must be here. We each have an obligation to understand our own place and our own fit. And I've got to approach this differently. I can't just sleep in and, and decide this Sunday they, don't, they won't even know I'm gone. They won't. Yes, we will. You have a responsibility to be here. But those that are here have a responsibility to notice when you're not. Okay. I ranted last week. I guess I can rant a little this week. I want you to understand that we are not competing with one another. We complement one another. I'm better because of you. You're better because of me. We're better because of one another. So we must get here together. We help one another grow. So do you know your place? Have you found your fit? We need you so that you can do the next thing to protect your feet, which is this. If we're going to protect our feet, we must become a supplier. We only preach this in certain parts of the community because other parts of the community I say you be a supplier means a whole different thing. <laughs> the, the writer says this. The writer says that every joint supplies. <laughs> Didn't even know that was in there like that. So, uh, so my, I don't even want to ask my question because my question this is the, was this. I'll just ask it and you can deal with it. Uh, when we gather, what are you supplying? Y'all, y'all, y'all all messed up. It's my fault. So this is what I think has to happen. There has to be a change in the way we approach church. We need to show up with this question in mind. Today, what am I going to offer? I'm not just going to show up to get blessed. I'm not going to show up and go, mm, this, I just... I'm just, no, I I pull in the parking lot going, I'm here to make sure that these people get what they need from me. I'm going to be a supplier. That that, that makes me think about what other people need. Have you ever been around a person that's that's a taker? 
man, they make it all about them all the time. It's what they can get. You give it to me. I need this. I need. Man, I would just don't. I don't like takers. Don't you just want to just like punch them right in the? Well, take this. If you're a taker, take this. But have you ever met a giver where it's never about them? And they're always looking out for everybody else. And they're always thinking, we've got some in this church, by the way, that always think about everybody else and are always trying to make it comfortable and convenient for everybody else, even to their own sacrifice and detriment. I prefer those kind of people. But, here, I'm, but, but here's what I want you to understand. I'm fine with the fact that there are some days you will need to come and make a withdrawal. There are many Sundays that I get here, even though I'm tasked with making a deposit, the truth is I showed up needing to make a withdrawal. I'm okay that there are some people, there will be different moments throughout each month and that you will need to walk in here for the sole purpose of, I need to make a withdrawal, man. I've been struggling. It's been a bad week. Everything that's gone wrong has gone wrong. I'm about to give up. I'm about to quit. I'm about to fold it. I'm going to throw in the towel. I need to make a withdrawal. I'm okay with that. Unless you show up every Sunday like that. Because there has to be this moment where we turn the corner on the other Sundays and we go, I'm here to make a deposit. Because I recognize that somebody else that pulled up in the parking lot and walked in here and made a sacrifice to get here, even though they didn't feel like it, they're going to show up and they're going to need somebody to love on them, somebody to put an arm around them, somebody to believe in them, somebody to smile at them, somebody to pat them on the back, somebody to encourage them. So I'm not going to show up today looking for a withdrawal. What I want to do is I want to show up today and make a deposit. Listen, if you don't become a supplier, then, then, and if all you are is a taker, then at some point we are missing what you have been gifted to bring to the table. We are going to be in short supply. And so this morning, I want to know, what are you supplying? Are, are, are we in short supply simply because you're missing and out of place and haven't found your fit? So let me get very practical and then I'll stop. Because these kind of messages make individualistic Americans, I want to do the things I want to do my way, uncomfortable. So let me get very specific with some things that I think needs to happen if we're going to fix this. If we're going to get our head out of our app and quit relying on technology to provide connection that can only come when you find your fit and your place, then I'm telling you that the number one step for this to work is you've got to find your place. Each and every one of us brings something to the table. There are people sitting under the sound of my voice right now that are not doing anything in this body. And we're in short supply. Well, it doesn't look like to me you're in short supply. You've got every role filled on Sundays. I get it. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the fact that your particular gift mix is, is missing out of the life of this body, and therefore we're in short supply. So I'm asking you to find your place. There is something that every person here can do. And if you don't know what it is, let us help you find it. If we don't have that particular role in place, we will create it custom just for you because we need your gift. 
you supply. You say, well, I'm too good to do all that. Well, let me just let me just help you. Did you know last week we had uh, an individual that's been attending for three weeks come and see me up in the back to uh, get her uh, pizza because she didn't get it on the second week. And I just nonchalantly asked her, how did you find out about us? And she said, well, about three weeks ago I was looking for a church. I was driving down council and there were these people outside waving. And I pulled in and I've been here ever since. Thank you, Phil, for running the parking lot team. But that's just one of the teams we have. We have all kinds of teams. We have Bears Club. We have Pantry. We have so much going on around here for the sole purpose to keep us busy. That's what we're trying to do because nobody's busy enough. I just want, I'm trying to fill your calendar up so you'll never have a moment to yourself. Please. That's not what we're trying to do. We're providing these outlets of ministry for one purpose and one purpose only so you can find your place so that when you find your fit and your place, the gift of God that is inside of you begins to flow out of you and you supply. And then we grow healthy and in love. So that's the first one. The second one is this, and this one's going to be very difficult, and this one seems to be off topic, but it's not because I'm talking about protecting your feed. So what I want you to do this week is that every time you're about to post something on social media. I want you to stop and think about, I want you to ask yourself this question. Does this reflect my kingdom connection? Okay. (laughs) Because from the abundance of the heart, the fingers tight. So do your posts protect your feed? Because I want to ask you a question. Because we're trying to find our fit in our place and we're, we recognize that people need to be plugged into places just like this to get what they need provided in their life. That's what scripture says. We cannot neglect this. We cannot forsake this. Out of this we get love, encouragement, strength. So then, then my, my, my practical point for you this week is this. Would anybody want to come eat here? After reading your post. So if your post has cuss words in it. Don't talk to me about I didn't say that. I just reposted it. And then don't. Please don't. 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 Please then don't. Be surprised if your coworker doesn't want to come and feed here if the result of you feeding here doesn't change your heart or your language. Don't post racially charged junk that's going to cause division whether you're for or against. I don't really care anymore because, because what, what I recognize is that we use this stuff and we put it out there and then it divides us and it puts wedges between us and then people don't want to come and eat here because they think you actually think Protect your feed. And if y'all don't think that is is an issue, then this week I'm going to post some stuff. I'll find the nastiest stuff I can find and post it. And let's see if it has any impact. You go, well, that's you. You're the pastor. Not according to Scripture. According to Scripture, we all supply. According to Scripture, we all represent. According to Scripture, we're all part. We're all part of the body. So I need your help. 
Stop and think before you share. Stop and think before you post. And make sure that you're protecting your feed so that when people walk in the door, they want to be a part and they want to participate and that way they supply what we need. Okay, that feels like a rant and it is. But it's a necessary rant because we need one another. And not only do we need one another, listen to me, God is ordaining and assigning other people to be a part of this body and we cannot allow the things that we do in the flippant moment without stopping and thinking, keeping them from their assigned place because if they're not in their assigned place, guess who hurts? Us. And them, but us. So let's elevate the importance of what we're doing here. Let's get plugged in and find our place. Let's supply and see if it doesn't change some things. So I want to pray for you. And then I want us to gather as a church body this morning and pray uh, together. So, so would you stand with me? And I want us to do this. I'm just going to pray a short prayer, a real short prayer. And then I want to ask you to do this. I want you to find uh, someone that you, that maybe on a week-to-week basis, man, how do I say this? Because it sounds like we're, being, we're playing favorites. I don't, I don't want to. I'll just speak for me. Every week there are certain people I look for. It's not that I don't look for all of you, but there are certain people, if they're missing, it bothers me. You know why? Because I'm pulling on them. What they bring to the table, I'm pulling out of them. I have a sneaking suspicion that there are probably individuals around you that you look for, and if they're not here, it bothers you. So after I pray, I'm going to ask you to do this. I'm going to ask you to find those kind of people, and I want you to bring them with you to the altar. We're just all going to stand here as one big passion family. And I need somebody that's here to make a deposit this morning, not to make a withdrawal, but somebody that's here to make a deposit to just to hang back for just a moment and look around, and maybe there's somebody that doesn't feel connected. And maybe that's why God sent you here today, was to connect with them. And to be their supplier today. So Father, this morning I thank you for this particular body that you've placed together. I don't take for granted the different parts that exist in this place. I think you've assigned them here. They're here on purpose. And I thank you that together we complete one another. We don't, we, we're not competing with one another. We complete one another. We, we complement one another. We bring each other. We bring the best out of one another. So I'm thankful for this particular place and this particular group of people. I pray that together we would learn to protect our feed so that we would become stronger and grow and healthier and do greater works for your kingdom. Now I pray that as we look around and and we pinpoint certain people that we look to supply, I pray that you would knit our hearts together and that as we approach your altar together as one family, we would discover that we're more connected than we ever thought possible and we're stronger because of it. In Jesus' name, would you turn and find somebody that you look for every week and, and, and bring them with you down here. And we're just going to pray together as a close of this series. We're going to pray together. I, I, I notice when you're not here, I, you, you're, you're a supplier for me. You, you impact my life. 
Come on, move quickly. Don't hesitate. If you're, if you're kind of new to passion, that's okay. That's okay. We still want you to join us down at the front. We promise that before long, we're going to get you connected. We're going to get you connected. Come on, squeeze up to the front. Squeeze, squeeze, squeeze. People coming in behind. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.